everyone. This is John Gunter from the Eagle Community Church of Christ. We're so glad that you would listen to our podcast, and we just want to invite you to come out and see us. Uh, you can check us out at eaglechurchofchrist.com. Uh, there you'll find all of our uh, our hours. We meet at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and also our late service is at 1045 uh, in, in our current building here in Mont Bellevue. Again, we are, we are thankful that you're, you're joining us. This week, we start a new series uh, leading up right until Christmas, and it's called Faith, Hope, and Love. And this week, we talked about faith. What does it mean to have a faith? Does faith alone save us? Uh, what, do, what do we mean, or what does the Bible mean when we talk about faith? And so uh, we'll, we'll see scriptures from Hebrews 11, which is known as the faith chapter, as well as James chapter two. So I hope this is very helpful uh, for you and your walk with Jesus. And again, thanks for tuning in. Again, we uh, are grateful for you all being here this morning. Um, we, uh, we have just come out of a, a sermon series over God being with us. Now we enter a, a Christmas season where uh, the world uh, is kind of thinking about what are all these Christmas lights? Uh, you know, what's going on here? And so I think as, as the church, we should take advantage of this time uh, where people are, are actually thinking about Jesus. I know I do every time I come into my circle over here. And uh, what I need is someone with a death wish to get up on my roof and, uh, and put up some lights. So if you know of anybody, Ben Johnson, um, you, you be, feel free uh, to come over and do that. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's going to tell me I've got teenagers. I know that's what he's going to say. Uh, but today we start a new series. Uh, the next three lessons are going to be exactly what you see on your screen. Faith, hope, and love. And so what we see at this time of year is as the world is focused on the birth of, of Jesus, uh, we too focus on the birth of Jesus as the source and example of our faith, our hope, and the love that was poured out for us. And so over the next three weeks, that's what we'll focus on. And uh, I, I've chosen this kind of as a, uh, a theme for our, our series from 1 Corinthians 13, there in verse 13. And now these three remain faith hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So I guess today we're talking about the, one of the least of these. I don't know what you think about faith, uh, but that's what we're talking about today is, is what does it mean to have a faith? What does it mean if, if someone says, do you, do you have faith in Jesus? How would you answer that? You may, you may say yes, but, but what all goes into our train of thought is we think about what faith is we can go to scripture and learn a whole lot about what faith is and what it looks like. Hebrews 11, I know this is too small, I did it again. It says, Now faith is, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So, faith in some sense is a belief, is an understanding, or a, a, a feeling that uh, it's going to be taken care of, even though. We may not be able to see it. How many of you have lived long enough to live through a situation where you saw no way out? Now, this side of it, you understand and you have maybe more faith in God because you look back and say, man, God was working. I didn't see how there was a way out of it. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but it happened. And so now on this side, hopefully the next crisis that comes about, we can say, you know what? I've got more faith in God because of what he has done for me even though, again, I may not be able to see 
the way out. He talks there in the end about uh, what the ancients are commended for. We're going to cover some of that. Uh, this lesson on faith is going to cover basically two sections of Scripture. Uh, what's known as the faith chapter is here in Hebrews 11. So if we talk about faith, you need to make a note. That's known as the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. We'll cover some of that. And also from James chapter 2. And we'll start there right now. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deed? James here is, is having the argument that we still have today. That argument is, does faith save you? And what we often say is, does faith alone save you? Well, that depends on what you mean by faith, and that's what we'll see here. But I also want to point out, and I recognize as we read something like this, when you see the word deeds, you think, man, i got to do something. You think works. You know, We know we don't work for our salvation. Everybody know that in here. Scripture tells you that it is a gift. It is grace from God given even when we were sinners. We did nothing to earn this gift from God. Everybody understand that? Say yes. All right. But I understand when we come to this and, and James is saying, well, what do you mean we got to have deeds? What does that mean? Well, hopefully we'll, we'll work that out as we go along today. So he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, someone claims to have faith but has no deed? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Well, isn't that interesting? And, and what I hear when I read this, and I, I, think, I think it's probably how it was said, is James is talking to church people. And so James is saying, when you've got a brother or sister that shows up in your house and they say, listen, I, I don't have clothes for me or my kids. I don't have uh, enough to go buy food or uh, keep the electricity on because you know, we're going to freeze, we're going to get cold. Not in our area, I don't think, but uh, 2020 aside. But some, somebody shows up and they're in need. And you know that. It, and it even says they're a brother of yours. So you both share this faith in Christ. And, and you very, I think... <laughs> I think this is what I'm hearing in this verse. It's James kind of using like we would use like some holy language. Maybe we, uh, you ever known anybody that just when they get up and they start to speak really changed voice? Like I project and I know that changes some, but some people like, I think they're, they're in a different dialect when they get up, you know, start speaking. But I think that's what he's saying. He's like, you, they come to your house and you see the need and you say, you know what? Um, go in peace. You almost see them raising their hand, right? Go in peace. Keep warm and well-fed, as if, as if that's doing something. I'm just going to tell you to go and think, you know what? You just Well, imagine you're on the other side of that door. Has that helped you in this moment? You know, this is not, uh, I need to put a down payment on that brand new pickup truck that I really want. This is, I don't have clothes. I don't have food for my family. He says, if, if you do that, if, if that is what you think faith is, mm -mm. he said, faith, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So there's more to faith than just this mental assent, this mental understanding, uh, 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 saying that I have faith. Uh, you can see all kinds of funny stuff on, on uh, social media. I, I've seen several different iterations of this. It's like uh, people will say, if you're standing in a church, saying I'm a Christian, 
uh, is, is could be like standing in a chicken house saying you're a chicken. You know, if it does not impact you, if that's not actually who you are, that's, that's not true, right? And so faith without something happening is not actually faith. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So if I look at your life or you look at mine and we're both claiming Jesus, the one with actual faith should see something going on, right? It's not just I'm claiming, oh, yeah, John claims it. We're in an area of the, of the world where everybody claims Jesus in some way. Oh, yeah. Hadn't darkened the door of a church, hadn't uh, loved their neighbor like they're supposed to, hadn't loved God like they're supposed to, but they claim Jesus because we're in the Bible Belt. That's what you do. But. Is that actually faith? No. He says, you believe that there is one God. So you're saying you believe you have faith in this God. He said, good. He said, but even, even the demons believe that and shudder. Remember, every time Jesus went around and he, he came up on somebody with demon possession, remember the only person in that area that really knew who Jesus was was the demon. You know, what are you going to do with me, Lord of the Most High, you know, Son of the Most High? You know, please don't do this. You know, they understood his power. They understood who he was, but that didn't matter. Their belief in him didn't matter because they were still, you know, attached. They were still serving uh, another Lord, right? He says, uh, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. See that two parts there, I believe, but it impacts who I am. Uh, they, were, they were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So again, you could take this out of context, couldn't you? You could come to this and say, see, all you have to do is believe. Well, what does believe actually mean? Well, it impacted who was. It was counted in as righteousness because of the way uh, he believed by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said uh, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Now, I want to recognize that you can go to different scriptures throughout the New Testament and some will say basically you're saved by faith. Well, and the question is always, well, what, what do you mean by faith? Again, is it just a claiming of something or is it impacting who you are? Is it the deeds that come out of it? Is it uh, what, what he's talking about here with Abraham? But Abraham just didn't sit around and say, I believe in you, God. No, it impacted what he did for God, right? In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Well, church people, we may have to wrestle with this scripture a little more than what we have. This whole last of this uh, series that we just covered, we talked about how much God loves us, right? He's always pursuing us. And I talked about how God's love covers all the bad things you think you have done. And I think for a lot of us, we still have guilt. We still kind of think, well, I don't know if God could save me from whatever. And then you come to a scripture like this, and it says, in the same way, it was not even Rahab, the what? 
Yeah, the harlot, the prostitute. Counted as considered righteous for what she did because of her faith. Scripture is trying to tell this is not John standing up here saying, you know, God loves you more than your sin. It's scripture. That even she, because of the action through her faith, was counted as righteous before God. It says that the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Hebrews 11, back to the faith chapter. You're going to get some overlap, which I think is important. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. What's part of faith? Obedience. That, that I'm not just saying I have this, this faith, I'm going to obey because of it. He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Anybody ready to do that right now? Like anybody signing up for that right now? Like we are planners, right? Especially if I'm going to move, right? My wife would, would uh, can I say slip my throat up here? If we tried to move right now, she does not want to move. Anybody else hate moving? Yeah, I hate moving. Uh, don't show me a, another box. Uh, it is it is just one of those things. Um, but but Abraham, because of his faith, would go even when he didn't know where he was going, because God was leading. That's what faith meant for him, and that's why Scripture is trying to tell you he was considered righteous because of that, because of that faith who did this. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He wasn't tied to a specific location. He was tied to God. Period. And that's difficult for us right there. When faith, when faith makes us move, quite literally, it's going to take us out of our comfort zone. But Abraham in this is said to be tied to God. Verse 11, and faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, old people don't listen to that, um, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand of the seashore. That was not John. That was scripture. Okay. Uh, and what it's saying is you just basically, you know, there was no ability to have kids. Now, it's too far along. If you feel your toe is stepped on right now, just hey, make that make that right with the Lord, not me. Verse 20, it says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched uh, around them seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab. You think scripture wants you to know about Rahab? Why do you think scripture wants you to know about Rahab? Don't put something out there and think God can't cover it. I'll just say that right now. By faith, Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So that, that lack of obedience there. Rahab said, you know, I've, uh, we've heard about your God. I have a faith in your God, which calls her to be obedient and, and help out in the situation. 
skipping down to verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. <laughs> what we see here is faith has to impact who you are. Some of these people, because of their faith, did wonderful things in the world. It says they even conquered armies. They did all these great things in the name of God because of their faith. Other people suffered very greatly for their faith. Because of their faith, they were, it says, you know, walking around in sheepskins, goatskins. They were destitute. They didn't have anything because of their faith. Now, how many of us in here would sign up for the Christian life if you knew that's what it meant? We have been so blessed to live where we live and, and have the freedoms that we often pray for, right? Thank God for. Yet, so many times since even though we don't have a barrier like this for the faith, we still, not, we still do not come to faith or show our faith. Can you imagine what one of these people would be thinking about us? Who because of their faith, really suffered. Even, even when the church first started, to be disconnected from the synagogue as a, as a Jew meant you lost, uh, most of the time, you lost your way of life because that was a connection, uh, a way for you to make money. You were connected to the rest of uh, your people there. So like we often do, we, we know who's in the room and we know who's good at what. He's, he's good at so-and-so. He's got a job that does this. And so we can actually help each other in that way, can't we? And in that, that time, if, to claim Christ was to claim, all right, well, I'm no longer a part of the, the synagogue in this way. What have you given up for your faith? Let's talk about that. What is faith? I only have two points this morning. Um, Paul told me he wanted uh, a third of his money back uh, for his entrance fee. I, I didn't see where he paid that. If somebody got his entrance fee, we'll get that back to him. Number one, faith is best understood as trust. For us, the way we use English, this is the best way to understand it, to have this conversation. Who's had this conversation before? Does faith alone save you? I know some of you have, yeah. Faith is best uh, understood as trust. Because anybody can say, I believe you, or I believe in you, right? We, we say that all the time. Ben, I've already picked on you. I'm going to pick on you one more time. If I say, I believe in Ben... That could mean anything. That doesn't really attach me to him, does it? Let's just say, man, I, I could be rooting for you. Hey, I hope the best for you, uh, which kind of sounds like, you know, go in peace, right? Be warmed and well-fed. But if I trust him, that's a different level, isn't it? Because if I truly trust someone, I'm going to listen to what they say, right? 
If you're going to ask me to do something, well, I trust, I fully trust in who you are. I'm going to do that. And that's a different level from just saying, I believe. And so I think that's helpful. If someone you trust tells you to uh, get off the train tracks, you best get off the train track, right? I think that's uh, a better way to understand that. Number two, faith is something that causes you to act. You saw that in every scripture we read, right? So, so this just begs the question, is your faith causing you to act? Because if what you have, what you claim as faith, is not causing you to change something in your life, the way you live, the way you speak, the way you uh, relate to others, is it actually faith? Because Scripture is very challenging, isn't it? Week in and week out, you come to this, you go, man, I, like I tell you guys all the time, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I need to hear this too. But faith is something that causes you to act. There's something involved in that. As James talks about deeds, I've got to be able to see your faith in action. Uh, we all do. What is faith? Anybody ever heard the name Polycarp? Heard that in, in Christian history? Well, good. This will be new to you. In the mid-150s, a man by the name of, uh, of Polycarp lived and uh, was in a kind of a Christian community in Rome or around uh, Rome. And at that point, the proconsul of the area started rounding up Christians and trying to make them say Caesar is Lord, knowing that as a Christian, who's Lord? Jesus, good Christian answer, right? Well, they bring these people in, and, and so many people are martyred, just like we read in the scriptures this morning. Well, one of the most famous was Polycarp. He was an older man, uh, about 86, we think. And uh, uh, they, they want to find him. And, and he was like, you know what? I'll just stay here, and they can come. Well, a lot of the people close to him said, no, you need to, uh, you need to hide. That would be stupid to stay here. You know they're going to kill you or try to. So he gets talked into going somewhere else. Well, he goes somewhere else, but they get to his household. They get to a slave as a part of his household, and they torture the slave and find out where he is. At that point, he's like, you know what? No, it's not worth it. I don't care. I'm going in. And what's interesting is when the, the men got to the door, they see this 86-year-old man in front of them, and it's kind of like they were like, really? We're 86-year-old? That's what we're going to do here? And one of the things he asked, because of the way he presented himself to these men, uh, they said yes to this, but he said, can I pray for an hour? Like, okay. And in the text about Polycarp, it says that he went on for two hours praying. And they said so many of them were like touched by hearing what he prayed for. They said he prayed for everyone that he ever came in contact with. By the way, if somebody's going to drag me off today, I'm doing the same thing. I may make up some people that I, I'm thinking about, you know. Uh, be, be, be with Larry who I visited. I know it's a long story, but you know, just keep on going, keep this thing going. But eventually he gets done with a prayer and they drag him before this, this proconsul who is basically what, when they see Christians, they, they claim that Christians are the atheists because they don't claim Caesar is Lord as God. And so they're, they're trying to get them to say there is a God and that is Caesar. And he says, you know what? 
For 80 and six years I have been his servant, and he has done me no wrong. And how can I blaspheme my king who saved me? In the face of death, this is what he said. So the proconsul, he's begging him. He's like, look at your age, man. Don't let this is all you have to do is say it. Now, how many of us would, would just say it? Well, no, thinking in our mind, well, that doesn't mean anything. But Polycarp was not giving in. He said, no, thank you. He said, you know what? If you don't do it, I'm going to drag you before all of these animals, and you're going to die in, in, in front of this arena, in front of everybody watching. He said, go call them. Go get them in here. He said, okay, you don't, you're not worried about the animals? I will burn you alive. He said, you're talking about fire that doesn't last very long. You burn it, and it's quenched pretty quick. He said, I'm thinking about a fire that rages on forever. He even offers to teach the guy about Christianity. Can you imagine knowing that his end is going to be death? Well, of course, he's killed. He, he disrobes and everything, and he says, all right, burn me alive. The problem was it was kind of weird that, that he wouldn't actually burn like they wanted him to, so they ended up having to like stab him to kill him. And they were so afraid of, of what this would do for Christianity that they actually, they wouldn't let anybody take his body. They're like, oh, they're going to take his body. They're going to make him a saint or, you know, something. Well, they burned him down to ashes. And, and even then, the Christians got the ashes and said, you know, this is, this is what it's about. The ashes and the bones said, this is a man who actually lived his faith. Interesting thing that I did not give the first uh, service because I forgot. Polycarp is, is said to be a disciple of the Apostle John. Isn't that interesting? His faith was so deep. It was so rooted in who Jesus was that he was not given up even when faced with death. And so what about your faith today? Do you have a faith that, that makes you, that asks you to do something different with your life? Or are we all just out here claiming that we love Jesus but not actually doing that? Is faith evident in your life? Or is it we come to church and we put on a face and we, uh, we talk in a certain way and as soon as we're out the door, back to who we are the rest of the time? All I'm asking this morning is just to make everything right with God. I can't imagine getting to heaven one day and, and seeing people like Polycarp who were faced with death in their life for their faith, looking at us and going, what were y'all doing? You guys weren't, weren't persecuted. All we pray for that, that we're glad we're not persecuted. We can, we can worship without fear of persecution, right? Do we even live lives that, that, that show we're not afraid of anything? Because that's what they did, and they had plenty to fear. So I pray we're a church that live out our faith, that impacts who we are, and that as we go through the, uh, the week, that we know that we are God because we trust in Him, and that impacts everything. So if you need to make that right, we'd love to pray with you as we uh, sing this invitation song. Uh, we'd love to, to watch as you put on Jesus in baptism today and start that walk with Him.